0: For Seafood News.
1: You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor Amanda Buckle.
0: And I'm Ernaberry Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. This episode is brought to you by Ernaberry's New Insights offering, which is now live. This largely digital offering allows subscribers to read, watch, and listen to impactful market content in a new way like never before. Through Insights, Ernaberry's expert editorial team, market reporters, analysts, and curated guest contributors will be generating unique contents for the protein industry. Be on the lookout for themed launches throughout the year.
1: Thanks, Lauren. In our top story of the week, the National Fisheries Institute is fighting back ahead of the release of a new Netflix documentary called Sea Spiracy. According to a brief description by the streaming provider, the film examines the global fishing industry, challenging notions of sustainable fishing, and showing how human actions cause widespread environmental destruction.
0: NFI's VP of Communications, Gavin Gibbons, sent a letter to Ted Sarandos, the co-CEO and Chief Content Officer at Netflix, Writing that, quote, we understand that as an owner of the virtual theater, you get to pick what viewers are offered. But you also know the producers of this film are vegan activists. They are not documentarians.
1: Yeah, so if people aren't familiar with producer Kip Anderson, he's also the same filmmaker behind 2014's Cowspiracy, which upset the meat industry. And when that film was released, it received a lot of flack for being vegan propaganda and sharing misleading or false information. And then there was also 2017's What the Health documentary, which was co-directed by Kip Anderson, and claimed that eating an egg a day is just as bad for your life expectancy as smoking five cigarettes a day. That was just one of the many, many claims in the movie.
0: What's scary about these documentaries is that people have watched them and actually changed their eating habits and lifestyle because of them. And it's easy to get pulled in, especially seeing that Cowspiracy was was executive produced by Leonardo DiCaprio and What the Health was co-produced by Joaquin Phoenix. Those names carry a lot of weight, so people kind of take the message of these films as gospel and, like I said, make a huge lifestyle decision like becoming vegan.
1: So what I think is great is that in his letter to Sarandos, Gibbons is suggesting that Netflix, uh, for clarity reasons, label this film as propaganda rather than a documentary. Very clever. Um, he writes That films like this will be a super start to a new propaganda content tab as it is spreading a vegan message masquerading as facts about seafood. So very, very cheeky from from Gavin Gibbons. Right. <laughs> uh, Seaspiracy premieres on Netflix on March 24th. So we will have more stories uh, debunking the claims made there um, on Seafood News in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, I look forward to it. So in other news, the House passed the $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package, also known as the American Rescue Plan, on Wednesday. There is a lot packed in it, including unemployment aid, vaccine distribution funds, and tax credit expansions. Uh, The big highlight for me is the $1,400 stimulus (laughs) check that will be sent to most Americans, hopefully me included. Um, But the big standouts for the industry is nearly $30 billion in aid to restaurants and an expansion of SNAP. So each restaurant location will be eligible for up to $5 million in grant money that can be put towards anything from rent and payroll expenses to constructing an outdoor dining area, food and beverages, and other supplier costs. However, no restaurant group or chain can collect more than $10 million, and it's also specifically for independent restaurants and chains that have less than 20 locations. Uh, I think it's also important
1: to note here that restaurants and other businesses dodged a bullet because the president's plan to codify a national $15 minimum wage was cut by the Senate. As for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP, and formerly referred to as food stamps, the relief package extends an existing 15% increase in the program for all participants through the end of September.
0: So glad to hear some good news. Meanwhile, in some delicious news, 7-Eleven is introducing wild Alaskan pollock fish bites. Oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the new hot food offering comes after the popular convenience store found success last year with the launch of their herb-crusted Wild Alaskan Pollock Sandwich.
1: Yes, so CV News staff writer Ryan Doyle and I did a Watch Us Eat video with 7-Eleven's Pollock Sandwich last February, and I have to say, I was pleasantly surprised. I think we all were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and this is terrible. I, I just, I don't. You know i don't think to go to 7-eleven for for lunch for their hot food and, and mainly i mean it's because because i'm a pescatarian i know they have like their hot dogs on rotation in in there but um it's just not not somewhere i would think about going um and then you know after finding out that uh you know they had partnered with uh the genuine alaska um, pollock producers for the sandwich last year you know I, I had to try it so i don't know if we're gonna be able to swing another watches e-video right now but i'm definitely interested in trying these new fish bites
0: yeah, they sound great. Um, so what it is, is five bite-sized herb Pinko crusted pollock fillets, and they're served on a skewer with a side of tartar sauce for dipping. And of course, the timing of this is limited time offering during Lent, so customers looking for a meat alternative have something new to try. Those enrolled in the Seven Rewards loyalty program can score the fish bites for just $3 when using the 7-Eleven app. What a steal. Yep. And uh,
1: like the pollock sandwich in February 2020, these fish bites are through a partnership with the Association of Genuine Alaska Pollock Producers. And as they noted last month, wild Alaskan pollock is having its moment during Lent. So Craig Morris, the CEO of GAP, noted that wild Alaskan pollock used to be a fish that was somewhat hidden in plain sight during Lent. And basically, what that means is that industry insiders enjoyed the sales, you know, during Lent, but consumers didn't know that the fish they were enjoying in so many products featured during Lent was actually wild Alaskan pollock. So Morris notes that not only are QSRs choosing Wild Alaskan Pollock as their protein of choice, but they're also choosing to say the name loudly and proudly uh, because increasingly consumers love the product and its story. Pretty cool.
0: So besides 7-Eleven, Pollock lovers can find the fish on menus at Wendy's, Long John Silver's, Bojangles, Arby's, Del Taco, Jack in the Box, White Castle, Sonic, Captain D's, and of course, McDonald's. You didn't say Bojangles. It's Bojangles. I Bojangles. Feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Still never there. I wish there
1: were bios. I just love the name. <laughs> And in our final story of the day, New Zealand's largest and oldest seafood company, Sanford, accepted a decision of the Christchurch District Court judge on a case from 2017 and 2018 that includes forfeiture of their deepwater stern trawler, Samwataki, valued at $20 million. Following the news of the decision, the company released a statement saying that they want to explain in more detail what led to the mistakes for which they were fined.
0: So, Sanford has been a major harvester and processor of New Zealand's marine resources for decades. They were key in discovering and marketing the nation's orange roughy. As stocks declined, Sanford was part of New Zealand's Deepwater Group, which in 1997 voluntarily closed an area of water off the coast of the South Island to allow fish stocks to rebuild. In 2007, with the wider area still closed, the country's Ministry for Primary Industries established a small benthic protection area within the wider area for permanent closure. In 2017, the original area that had been set aside to allow fish stocks to rebuild was open again to fishing. The smaller BPA within the area remained closed.
1: On October 20, 2017, the factory trawler left the South Island's Port Otimero for fishing grounds 70 miles west of Stewart Island, South Cape, several hundred miles away. At the helm was Grant Clifford Walker and his first mate, William Dessau Lash. Both men were hired by the vessel owner, Sanford Company, to run the operation. Each took turns controlling the vessel, working 12-hour shifts at a time. The vessel trawled inside the BPA, known as Persiger between October 31st and November 5th, according to reports during the trial. No contact was made with the Fisheries Communication Center prior to entering the protection area. The company said at the time and continues to explain that the BPA area was not included on the electronic charts that the uh, trawler was using at the time. They said that it was human error that the charts were not updated as they should have been.
0: Since then, Sanford has put in place systems that include electronic geofencing software, which will sound an alarm in the wheelhouse if the vessel comes within 0.5 nautical miles of a BPA. The legal restriction of distance from a BPA is 0.06 nautical miles, the software will also alert the vessel manager on shore. The company said that their commitment to sustainability is real and that they do make mistakes sometimes, but that their determination to do the right thing runs through the company. And that
1: does it for us. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Ernerberry's new insights offering. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here next week. (laughs) Bye-bye.